You are listening to the sermon podcast of International Lutheran Church in Seoul, South Korea. I'm Pastor Chuck Hoffman. In terms of our walk as Christians, I think we all desire more fruit. I think we all desire better quality fruit. I've been a Christian for now almost 20 years. And in all of these years, I've never spoken with anyone who said, I've got too much fruit. I've never heard anyone say, um, the quality of my fruit is just too good. I need to take it down a notch or two and cut back on all of this good fruit produced by my faith. We all would like more fruit. We all would like better quality fruit. We all would like to have a better matchup between what we believe and what we desire in terms of obeying and fulfilling God's commands, and then what actually happens in our lives over here. We recognize that sometimes these two things don't match. Sometimes they're not congruent. So Jesus addresses this need for fruit in John chapter 15. And I'd like to explore this with you and give you maybe three or four takeaway points today. The first thing I want to talk about is what is fruit in the first place? After all, this is an analogy, so maybe we need to know what it really means. One Christian scholar uh, called it this. Fruit is every demonstration of vitality of faith to which reciprocal love above all belongs. Now, to put this maybe in uh, simpler words... You know, vitality means life, living. When you go visit someone in the hospital, you can see their vital signs, their uh, heart rate, their breathing, their blood oxygen level. Anything that shows that there's a living heartbeat to our Christian faith is something that is fruit, whether that be prayer or anything. And then he says that reciprocal love is above all fruit, And he mentions this because if you go on just a couple of verses later after our reading ended, this is what you find in verse 12. Jesus says, This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. So the idea of producing more fruit is a very broad thing. It's it's even more broad than the concept of good works. Uh, We think of, of... Maybe these two things being the same thing. Fruit, good works. But I think fruit is an even larger concept. It's not just about actions or helping people. It's every little bit of expression in us that faith is alive in our hearts. Prayer, like I said. Worship is fruit. Holding our tongue maybe when we would like to speak, but we know we should not. That's fruit. Our general attitude, the way that we carry ourselves. This is something the Bible usually calls your walk, uh, the way you conduct yourself. That is the fruit of your faith. 
And it is a gradual process to grow more fruit. Uh, We have about 15 persimmon trees on our property here at ILC. Uh, You may not have known we have so many, but we have some large and some small. Not all of them produce fruit. Quite a few of them are too small and too young to have any fruit on them. But one day they may. So here's what it looks like as we grow and we produce more fruit. This is kind of what Jesus unfolds in John chapter 15. If we'd like to increase our fruit, there's a couple of things we need to do. The first thing, Jesus says, allow the Father to prune you. And he says it right here in the second verse. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Experienced gardeners know how to prune in order to let a tree or a plant come back bigger and better uh, and more healthy. And to a non-expert, the, the pruning looks rather drastic at times. I used to have a next-door neighbor. Uh, she was a retired teacher. She had spent her whole career in the elementary teaching. And now, I guess to uh, unwind from that, she was spending her twilight years just in the garden all the time. And uh, she was really good at it. She really had a green thumb. So I would always ask her to come over to my yard and give me tips. And I'd say, well, my grass is not growing here. What's going on? Or, or my rose bushes don't look very nice. And she'd kind of go in there and just start pulling stuff and breaking stuff off and, and pulling things out. And I'd say, well, that looks important. I, are you sure you're supposed to cut this much away? But then sure enough, it would grow back two times as large after she had done that. Because she knew what she was doing. She knew where to prune. She knew what needed to be removed. God knows exactly what needs removing in your life. And it's, it's not just dead limbs. It's not just stuff that looks diseased or rotten that needs to go. Sometimes it's even healthy looking stuff that needs removing. It's hard for us to see, uh, but God knows when even something that looks fruitful should be removed so that another part can grow even larger in its place. For example, sometimes a church needs to cut a ministry that is bearing fruit so that they can focus on a different area that may produce even more fruit. And it is always a painful thing to do. It's a painful cut. Another principle of pruning is knowing when to make the cut to the branch. For many types of trees, you should not cut limbs in the summertime or in the springtime. You should wait until winter, until the tree is dormant. It has gone to sleep. And then you can safely cut the branch and you won't cause a wound that will become diseased and kill the plant. You know, in front of the church, when you entered the front door, 
we used to have two maple trees, one on the left side and one on the right side. And these are ornamental trees. They have red leaves, purple leaves, instead of green leaves. And I recently was looking through church scrapbook and I saw that those trees were there even 40 years ago. They were there. So a couple of uh, years ago, during cleanup day, we noticed that the tree on the left, the branch had grown up and was blocking our security camera here at the church. So one of our members cut that limb off. Now, unfortunately, it was not the right time of year to cut a branch off of a tree. And within a year or two, that tree had died. And we had to remove that tree. I know you're, when you leave church today, you're all going to walk out the front door and turn around and look. And in fact, that tree is not there anymore. The one on the right is still there and still healthy and still doing quite well. You see, we cut at the wrong time of the year and we harmed the tree. But God never knows, God never prunes at the wrong time. God never cuts further than he should because he knows he knows better than us we make mistakes but he doesn't and always the goal is that it would come back healthier and it would come back more fruitful now the second thing that jesus says in order to produce more fruit is that we must remain in the vine this is what i was mentioning in the children's message and this is where he says that I am the vine, you are the branches, whoever abides, remains, in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We cannot produce much fruit if we are just a branch out there somewhere on our own, connected to nothing. Remaining connected to Christ re- means remaining connected to our source of food, our source of water, connected to our root, connected to our purpose for living. It means remaining connected to the very author of life itself. But it's such a temptation to say, we're doing okay, let's, let's kind of bring our branch and let's just kind of go off. We take little walks, little trips away from the vine. And then we see how quickly it is that we become dried out. How quickly it is that fruit withers and disappears. We have all experienced this. You cannot be angry when you are in prayer. I I mean our emotions tend to Conform, they kind of come under the control of the Holy Spirit. As long as we are willing to pray, as long as we are willing to enter into the presence of the Lord, it happens. Things change. But, but, but if we try to control our emotions on our own while we are out there by ourselves, we find that our emotions begin to control us instead. And then the fruit starts to not look so good. Now the final thing I want to mention this morning 
I want to make sure that we know that fruit does not equal salvation. Jesus, in this passage, was not describing to his disciples how to be saved or how to have God love you. In fact, he said very clearly, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you, meaning the gospel, meaning all of Christ's teachings. The word is what does it is what brings us into relationship with God, not the quality of our fruit, because we all struggle. We all have good seasons with more fruit and then dry seasons with less fruit. This has nothing to do with our standing before God. Rest assured that you are loved by God. If You are a believer. That means you have been grafted into the vine. And there you will remain. That's the promise. He attached you to the true root, the true vine, so that there you would always remain. Just as we are called, it says, abide in me, he says. And he also says, I will remain in you. And that is a sure promise. We keep our promises to varying degrees throughout our lifetime. But Jesus keeps his side of the promise fully and completely. Whether it's summer or winter, no matter what season you are in, he has promised to remain in you. So I said I was going to give you three or four points. So here they are in summary. Fruit is the evidence of living faith, especially expressed in love. To increase fruit, we undergo pruning. To increase fruit, we remain in the vine. And fruit is the result of our salvation. It is not the precursor. It is not the predecessor. It is not what allows God to love us. He loved us first. Uh, before any fruit was produced. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.